it was tough. For the first time in my life, I actually like had other kids that were actually bullying me, laughing at me, calling me names. It, it was hard. That was kind of disappointing. I would say when I actually, when I think back now, because in that school, majority black town, but also there were a lot of foreigners there, a lot of kids from the Caribbeans from Jamaica, from Haiti. When I look back and I think it was like kind of disappointing because they should have been better. I was like, I had nothing to do. I would go to school, I would come <laughs> home and I was 30. And I would come home, I would complain to my mom saying, oh, like, yeah, the kids, the kids I was laughing at me, they always like making jokes. And like, my mom could see that I was having a hard time. Like grades wise, I was doing good. You know, that wasn't an issue, but just like my own mental well-being. Like I was a very sad kid at that time. Mujevale, Mujevale, Mujevale. My name is Bonnie Kibuka and welcome to another episode of the Ugandan Ball Talk Show. Welcome once again to the Ugandan Boy Talk Show. And um, as I promised you, the my podcast, I love stories. I love when I meet people, I love hearing their stories. And uh, in today's episode, I'm bringing one of my good friends. Uh, I call him good friend, but we just met uh, <laughs> in Orlando. And uh, just just connected just that day. Uh, we just connected right away. And like I, yeah. like I say... I meet people and I hear their stories and I made my podcast just to listen to stories and tell stories. So welcome to the show, Prat. Hey, thanks, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. Actually, I want you to tell the listeners your full name. Well, so my full name is Clarence Segway. That's my African name, Segway Pratt. So (laughs) I have, I guess you can call it two like a first English name and a last English name. Yeah. And then the African name is in the middle, which is Segway. Yeah, because I knew you by Clarence Pride. That's, yes. that's what I got when we met. And that's that's how I call you. That's how I saved you in my phone. So you mm-hmm. mentioned Africa. Um, mm-hmm. wh- where are you from in Africa? I was born and raised in Liberia. Okay. Um, up to age 15. And that's when I came over to the U.S. Okay. So... So yeah. how was how was your life like uh when you're growing up in Liberia? What are the things you remember your childhood? Um so growing up, you know, being from Liberia, we had a we, we had a civil war. Um mm-hmm. I think that's like well known to around the world and to a lot of Africans. Yeah. So the civil war started in nineteen eighty nine. So that I was like nine, um nine years old. But for the first, I want to say first nine years, you know, the part that I can actually remember, I actually had a very good upbringing. Yeah. Um, like, you know, like I had, I had everything that a kid could want. Mm-hmm. Um, I had two loving parents, um, my mom and then my dad. Actually, my dad is, um, he's from Sierra Leone. Mm-hmm. Um, he, was, he was born in Sierra Leone. Um, he actually migrated to Liberia to work, yeah. and that's how he met my mom. My mom migrated to the U.S. when I was six, mm-hmm. so I had to live with my dad um, up until 
the war came, the civil war that we had in 1989. Then um, my dad actually took me to live with my grandma because of location, yeah. you know. And civil war came from, I was, I was there from the beginning, you know, in 1989 until um, there were there were three major wars. Right. Um, was I think ninety was the first major one, and there was another one in nineteen ninety two, and in nineteen ninety six. Hmm. Right after the third one, that's when my mom was like, "Oh no, we have to get you out of that country." Yeah. You know, so that's when you know that's mm-hmm. when I actually mm-hmm. moved over to that's, the U.S. That, that's crazy because yeah. I know. Uganda I'm from Uganda and uh, my mom is from Kenya my dad is from Uganda but um, Mm -hmm. there was a war but that it happened before I was born it was like uh, Mm -hmm. in uh, 1986 yeah something like that and uh, that was before Mm -hmm. I was born and um, but my parents told me about that story and they had they were running during the war and I didn't have to go through that. The only thing I know that I've experienced was um, the post-election violence in Kenya that happened in 2007, where people were mm-hmm. fighting and killing each other. It was like a civil, I would say more like a tribal mm-hmm. war, because this, this tribe was killing mm-hmm. the tribe, but um, we were locked mm-hmm. up in there. And once the, the borders opened, then we moved back to Uganda, but we were there for a visit, so there, mm-hmm. but yeah, walls are not, are not fun, so I'm glad you moved on. Oh, no, no, it's, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, like, you know, just based on my experience, like, yeah. when I'm a fan of any type of war, like, mm-hmm. just, I have a lot of, you know, just a lot of bad memories. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Of, it's crazy. I still you know, have memories too from that war from mm-hmm. Kenya. Like I get exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Like it's like PTSD. Sometimes you can remember something. And yes. Just, uh, what were some of your hobbies that you like to do in Africa or when you're growing up? Like what some of the things you enjoyed to do? Well, so being African, um, well, what and especially West African, you know, football is the big. Yep. Yeah. You know, it's the big thing. Like, you know, that's what, you know, that's what consume our daily lives. So, and being from Liberia, at that time, we had the current president, George Weir, mm-hmm. you know, who was one of the best players in the world. He actually was, the, well, the only African to actually win um, the FIFA Player of the Year mm-hmm. um, from Africa. Wow. So at that time, and just being a Liberian kid, you know, yeah. having someone to look up to, you know, I saw like, I think it was like, Probably I was full. I want to say between twelve, his peak years were between twelve and sixteen, seventeen. So he was he was, he was our role model. You know, it was like and then when he actually won the FIFA Player of the Year, that was that that was the biggest thing. Especially after what we after what we went through with the yeah, war yeah, and yeah. with the civil war, we needed something good to happen. You know, to the entire country to like all the little boys and girls that needed someone to look up to. So yeah, definitely soccer, uh, football, like as we call it. That yeah. was, that was, that was my hobby. You know, I used <laughs> to like playing it. And, you know, just being, you know, being an African kid, you just need, you know, actually need a soccer ball. You can, right. <laughs> you, you can make your own. Yeah, I tell <laughs> you people, know? I have a, make- 
I have a soccer ball here, actually. I, I'm gonna yeah. pick it up. It's a so I have this thing right here. I put in my yes. office because <laughs> it reminds me of uh, when we played soccer. You know, this is made out of uh, I don't yes. know if you know banana a banana plant. So like it's dry, uh -huh. and then would play this as a soccer ball. So I put it in my okay. office to just remind remind me my childhood. So I get the, the point where you say you don't yeah. really need wood also like get no, you, no, you... <laughs> you'll get trash and yes. just play around, tie rubber band, and you make a soccer ball, yes. you know. Well, exactly. Like... <laughs> Find a bag and you know, put a lot of like phones or like paper yeah. or something, you know. Even if you're like, walking in the and woods and yeah, you have you find anything round that can be a soccer ball. Like you just kick it. Uh, actually, you you reminded me. I, I almost forgot. I had this to talk about. I have a friend of mine. He's from Liberia. I went to school with him. He actually ended up being my soccer coach. After he had graduated, he came back and coached my team. He's uh, called mm -hmm. Danny Buege. Danny Buege. He's from Liberia. Uh -huh. And he loves Liberia a lot. And uh, he's he lives around in Michigan here. But where in Liberia are you from? I was born in I was born in Morovia, and well, when I grew up in Morovia, I probably the only time I left Morovia for like any other city. So my grandfather had like a farm. Uh -huh. He had like um, like he had a couple of farms and a couple of plantations. So like during the weekends and stuff, we used to take like trips. You yeah. know, us like go to this place called. Bum County, it's like, so in Liberia, we have like different counties within Morovia, and that's where his farm was. So normally on the weekend, we used to take a trip out there, you know, just for like a weekend, come back. So, yeah. but I was always in Morovia, never, yeah. yeah. Never. So are there, are there some challenges you faced living in Liberia as a young boy? Like, are there things besides the war, like you already mentioned, are there other things that you, you can remember that? were really hard for you when you're growing up not really like yeah. so because like before the war like before the war i had a good upbringing i went to, i went to one of the um, best schools in 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 liberia in morovia yeah um like my, yeah my parents my both my mom and my dad like you know they provided me with everything that i actually wanted so I guess I was one of the lucky few, I, I will say, at that time. And Liberia was a good country, you know, Liberia. And then again, you know, a lot of maybe there will be some Liberian listening to this and they might disagree with me, right. you know, because like something that you might think is good, you know, other people might not, you know, think it is because yeah. it's two different situations, two different lifestyle upbringing. Yeah. But up up to the before the war we we had a Liberia was a was a was, was a good country we had right. we, we you know people had jobs and you know things were not as bad as it is today yeah so now you move from Liberia to the United States how was that transition like are there some things that happened that were different for you after you just moved to the states what was that like um, so I came to the U.S. October 1996, mm -hmm. and I was 15 at the time. When I came, I was was I'm still in New Jersey, so I always been in New Jersey. Yeah, you know, never never left though. Mm -hmm. You know, 
to live in another state. So when I went, when, we, when I got to New Jersey, my mom pulled me in, in a public school, and it was it was tough. It was you know, it was a big transition, like just you know coming. You know, just being an African kid, you know, with an accent, you know, new environment, not knowing anyone, um, you know, not dressing like, because my mom, you know, I just came from Africa. So my mom, you know, what is whatever clothes my mom had for me, right? That's yeah. what I was wearing to school, you know, and like, so, and there was no uniform. So it's not yeah. like I can dress <laughs> and look like everyone else, right? <laughs> So, so the jokes, you know, it, like the, the jokes ball was on me because, you know, the way I used to dress, mm-hmm. you know, and I got like, it was tough. It was tough, you know, having like, because for the first time in my life, I actually like had other kids that were actually bullying me mm-hmm. and laughing at me, calling me names. And, you know, so it was, it was, it was hard. Um, yeah. Then I did meet, I did meet this guy from um, Cameroon and that was another African guy and his sister that was from Nigeria, you know, so they, they kind of understood what was going on and, you know, they began, they became my friends, you know, they came to, to, to spoke to me and it was like, yeah, you know, you being African and, like because I, like I was dressing different. I wasn't like dressing the way the other kids were dressing. Like I used to wear like I think I was the only kid at the time wearing like you know like dress pants, dress shirt, a tie. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> with, with, with dress shoes on, and everyone else is wearing sneakers and jeans yeah. and t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so they they came up to like yeah. Um, that's that was like yeah you know we we you African like you you knew that's how that's how things are and that was kind of disappointing I would say when I actually when I think back now because in that school there were a lot of black there was a black there's a most of majority black town right but also there were a lot of foreigners there a lot of kids from the Caribbeans from Jamaica from Haiti. You know, and when I look back now, I think it was like kind of disappointing because, you know, they should have been better, you know, yeah. like, but yeah, so after, and I was doing good because like I had nothing to do. I would go to school, I would come <laughs> home and I would study right. and, you know, and I would come home, I would complain to my mom saying, oh, like, yeah, the kids, the kids I was laughing at me, they always like making jokes and like. And my mom could see that I was having a hard time. Like grades, grades wise, I was doing good. You know, that wasn't an issue, but just like my own mental well-being. Like I was a very sad kid at that time. And then so eventually mom saw that, okay, that was okay, this kid is depressed. We need to change something. And at the time she knew one of her friends had her son in this, um, private um catholic or boys school in another town newark new jersey um and her friend she told her friend from like well, maybe you should send you know clarence to this school 
Like, you know, it was just a different environment. And I think he will actually do good. He was settling well there. You know, luckily for me at the time, I got accepted into that school, into the school, St. Benedict's Prep. And I love my house. I love, love St. Benedict's. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's a, um, it's a, like I said, it's an all boys Catholic preppy school. It's a prep school, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, you, you dress cool, you know, shirt and tie, you know, shoes and you know, stuff like that. So, everyone looks the same, everyone dresses the same. And the motto also of the school is that whatever hurts my brother hurts me. And also, Benedict's get acquitted, right? Don't quit. Yeah. It, was a, it was a different experience, like different experience. Like I got welcome yeah. and I look, I look like, I look like the other guys who are, mm-hmm. who are dressed the same. So yeah, now, yeah. now you went through your education. So mm-hmm. did you ever go to college here? When I graduated, I went to um, the Jersey Institute of Technology, mm-hmm. which is, which, which was basically right down the block from St. Benedict's in yeah. Newark, New Jersey. Um, yeah, so it was just a, it was just a walking distance over. Um, I got I got accepted into um, NJIT, and at the time, what was called NJIT, New Jersey Institute of Technology, is which is one of the best te- um, technology university in the country. Actually, tough, tough, tough school. Yeah. Um, at NJIT, I actually met a lot of I met a lot of Africans there. You know, it was a good thing too. You had like Africans from all over the continent. It was it was one big. We oh we also had an African student organization that I became the president of my junior year and into my senior year I was president called APSA African Student Association. Those ones are good to have in school because yeah. you get to meet people from different countries of like they know your pain, they know what you're going through. So yeah. the and I told my college like yes. the college I, I went to a small college but. I told them we need to have mm. something like this because a student comes from Africa and comes here. They don't know where to start from. You know, yeah. they don't know where to go to find a job, to find social security, like things like that. There should be somebody there or like have that organization where other international students help their fellow international students. Um, from as I graduated from NJIT, um, I major in information system. Um, okay. So I graduated and then I went back after two years hmm. of taking a break. Yeah. Um, I went back and I got my master's from there in computer science. And that's, yeah, yeah, that's what I stopped after my master's. I was like, I think I, I think I'm good with the school thing for <laughs> yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so is that what you're doing right now? Um, yeah. So right now. Um, I'm, I work for um, Cognizant. It's a okay. it's an IT company. Okay. But like we do, we do. A, yeah, it's, it's a big company. So it's like it's all wise that two hundred fifty thousand employees. And I've been working there for the past fifteen years. Wow. So it's been a minute. Right. It's always yeah. good to see you like achieve your dream and like something and like people back home look up to you and look up to whatever you're doing and making these kids uh, mm-hmm. believe. And that's something I took out of because I, I always wanted to work on airplanes when I was in Uganda. And mm-hmm. when I came to the U.S., I was like, I'm going to go study for that. I studied and 
Now that's mm-hmm. my job. I've not worked there for a long time. I'm only a little mm-hmm. over two years, but it makes okay. me happy to see that even other kids back home, when they look up to you, they're like, hey, this guy achieved his dream and making sure that these kids know it's possible. Like you can do it. Yes. There's a lot of young boys and young girls in Africa that, you know, like they might not be, they might not have the best situation or they might not even have the dreams, you know, thinking that, you know, it's not, hey, am I ever going to, you know, accomplish this? Or, you know, they don't even have that dream because of the, of the situation they're in. But like, and I tell people just, just have a dream. You know, yeah. have a dream and, and just keep dreaming, like, you know, because right. if you have, if always start with having a dream and once you have a dream, you start working towards that dream. And like you said, anything is possible, mm-hmm. you know, anything is possible. And that's what, that's what my dad, that's what my dad told me when I was going out. He said, Bonnie, anything is possible. I didn't, I didn't really believe in my dreams, but like yeah. you say, have a dream and mm-hmm. just keep dreaming. You never know what's going to happen. And yeah. Sometime in the future, yeah. you will see something play out and something happen. So now you. All you need is that one break. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, so now you got your dream job. You're doing a good job. So I know you have your own family right now. Uh, do you mind talking about yeah. your family right now? Like, Yeah, so I'm, I have my beautiful wife. Um, she's actually in Nigerian. Um, okay. she's, she's Nigerian, but she was, she was born in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, I met her on a well water rafting trip a couple of years ago. Okay. And we... We were on the trip together and honestly, like we did not, I don't even think we noticed each other on the trip. <laughs> and we took like this, you know, it was like, it was probably 20 of us. And we took like a group pictures. Uh, we took a group picture and she was like standing next to me in a group picture. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I never, I never paid attention. I never noticed her. So yeah. when we came back from the trip, one of my friends started tagging people in the group pictures. I think it was on Facebook at the time. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was like, oh, who's that girl? And then she was like, actually, who was that guy? <laughs> you know, and that's the, you know, like, you kind of like say, oh, she's asking about you. He's asking about you. And then, you know, we went on the bed, you know, we, you know, we, we vibe, you know, yeah. and that's the, you know, a couple of years later getting married. <laughs> um, we have two beautiful kids, nice. you know, uh, my son, I have a son that's five. Yeah. My daughter is three. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's just a good thing having a, having a family, you know, that's, that's nice. Like, that's nice. Yeah. I think though, yeah. when you, when we added each other on Instagram, I noticed that you have a very yeah. beautiful family and the, uh, a great Thank guy you. like yeah recently on my podcast when i host people i've this I, I got this question that i ask people to just hear their opinion um in the united states there's a lot of racism like have you encountered racism as a black person living in new jersey in or in your time in the u.s and how have you dealt with that yes i have in New Jersey, right? We used to it, it. It was a bad thing in New Jersey at one at one time, but I think things have gotten better. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the, the um, term driving while black, right? I want to. I think that probably started in New Jersey on the New Jersey term part of the Parkway, like mm-hmm. the two major highways that we have in New Jersey. But my experience, firsthand experience with um, cops and racism um, was um, so. I live like 10 minutes from the beach or the Jersey Shore. So when uh, this was probably 10 years ago, um, I was driving. I had two of my friends, um, two of my female friends who were driving down to the shore, going to the beach. And when you when you're going down to the Jersey Shore, it's bumper to bumper traffic for like an hour. You know, like that's how bad it is. Mm-hmm. So I'm driving and there's a, there's a cop. I see a cop park on the side of the road. He's just sitting there, you know, and we're not even doing like five miles per hour. Like it's bumper to bumper traffic. So we're just moving and we listening to music. We're trying to get down the show. And then I pass the cop. Next thing I know, he gets behind me. All right. And I tell my friends, I was like, and I was like, oh, I'm I'm getting pulled over. <laughs> okay. And my and my and my, my two um female friends are like, they're like, okay, no, you're not. Stop being paranoid, right? And they're <laughs> laughing. I was like, he's he, the car doesn't have his light on yet, you know, but just that I just knew it, right? Yeah. Because I was like, if I'm sitting in traffic, right. And I pass you, and then next thing you know, you get behind me. I know I'm getting pulled over. Yeah. So we so we go so within five minutes of doing bumper to bumper traffic, he's sitting right behind me. He pulls me over. So I'm pulled over on the side. And I was like, I told you guys I was getting pulled over. And I'm like the most clean cut, one of the most clean cut guys that you will ever be. Like I'm I make sure like I have everything down to the T, like you know, all my paperwork and right. you know, never got in trouble, never got in the rights there, nothing at all. So he he comes over and he said, Oh, um, license and registration, same stuff, you know. And they're my two female friends. They they you, you know how women can be, you know, defensive yeah. at times. They're like, why like what's the what's the matter officer like you know we're just sitting in traffic why are you like you, you know what did you pull him over and i'm like that's relax you know and then he asked me oh I, then i had a um i had a bmw right um he was like oh then he turned he was like oh what do you do for a living right and then my female friend goes like why does that even matter like you know, just stuff like that. And he takes my stuff, right? He goes, I guess you wanted to like run down. Mm-hmm. He writes, oh, there's this black black guy driving a nice car. You know, like I have, I'm bored. I have nothing to do. You know, let me just pull him over and check to see if something uh, illegal comes up, Right. you know? So he comes back, right? And he hands me my, he hands me my my pick my, my pick my stuff back, and he goes, "I was like, you good?" And I was like, "Um, so why did you pull me over?" 
He said, have a nice day. And he walked away. <laughs> Up to today, I have no clue why yeah. he pulled me over. He never told me. I, my only conclusion was that he wanted to run my, you know, license just to see if something. That's the know. thing that I, I, I talk about and like, I, I, I've talked about this, that sometimes, like you say, you keep out of trouble, you do everything yeah. right, you make sure you have your paperwork and like, like, yeah, we can all do that. Like I do that myself. Yes. Like I make sure I'm, I'm not breaking any law, but sometimes those things yeah. all find you, come find you, you know, but I was reading a yeah. story the other time that this husband went, drove his wife's car to the gas station to fill up her wife's car. And he got arrested mm -hmm. at the gas tank because he looked as the, like the suspect they were looking for, but he wasn't the one. He was just going there to get his wife's uh, car, put gas in there. We, we're not going to be able to change some people's heads and some how some people react. But it's like somebody just looking at you, like he looks at you driving a BMW. It's like, mm -hmm. why is this black guy driving a BMW? Yeah. Maybe he stole it or something. Like assumptions, yeah. those things because of your skin color. And then they add on to yeah. that. It's, it's going to take a lot to change that. But then again, you know, by nature, by, by nature, people, you're always going to have racism, racism right. around. You know, that is not something that you're going, you can yeah. get rid of. You know, but I'm just glad that, you know, it's getting exposed. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. thank God for technology. Thank God, because imagine what imagine what's happening now or what we're seeing, like calling situation happens. Okay, now if you go back 10 years ago, right, when you did not have, you know, camera phones or you did not have cell phones, someone could just, you know, someone could just not, you know, grab their cell phone and start recording, right? Imagine the amount of things that, you know, these racists got away with a Definitely. whole lot. Yeah. You know, a whole lot. Most definitely. We're not going to be able to change people's minds, but as we keep on talking about these things, maybe it will help just not yes. to keep quiet. And like you said, I feel bad that now it's into the sports that we love too, because you, sports is like like the soccer, soccer situation. Uh, sorry, people who are not Arsenal mm -hmm. fans or soccer fans, but like he misses mm -hmm. a penalty. Like yeah. that's soccer. Like anything can happen. Yeah. You're going to have a bad day. You're going to miss, yes. but like attacking him and attacking his family, that's not necessary. And, you know, social media too is, is not helping either, you know, because now people believe that, oh, I can get behind a computer. I can get on my phone and be a racist without, you know, having to expose my face or who I am, mm -hmm. right? And it's, it's out there. You know, it's out there, but now people just, instead of doing it in your face, to just go on a computer, you know, right. and just say all these like racist, negative things about you. Now, now that I hit on the soccer and Arsenal stuff, you are a huge Arsenal fan. And that's why in the interview, uh -huh. <laughs> you came with your Arsenal jersey. I was like, no, I, I don't think I'm going to, I don't think I'm going to wear my jersey for a little while. <laughs> that's why that's why i hung it up on the it, uh, you have it in the back yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not the best we can wear it but it's not it's love you know if you love something 
Yeah. You know, like it, you, you can't help it. <laughs> you know, you... <laughs> what what kind of message are you gonna send out to the all the Arsenal fans that are at home, like worried about the Arsenal team? Like, what kind of message? <laughs> what kind of message will you send? Will you say that's the fans who are brokenhearted at the very first beginning of the season? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I put you on no, the I don't have any. Oh, no, honestly, I don't have. I don't have a positive message <laughs> because I'm. I have a core belief, right, which is a negative belief, and my core negative belief is that as long as the Crunkies are in charge of Arsenal, we are not going to compete for anything okay this is the reality that we live in right now things are not going to change so for all the arsenal fans out there hang in there hang in there because it's gonna be a long (laughs) long 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 ride downhill let's say at the end of the season right well i say with the the, the two previous seasons we finished eighth. Yeah. Right? That's what we're going to be. But yeah. every at the end of every season, we're going to be around that position as right. long as the crunkies are in charge. Because they don't they, they, you cannot they just end up to make money. It's just a business thing for them. You know, they they are not fans, they are not yeah. passionate, you know, about the club. Mm-hmm. Like emotionally. They are not invested in the club. So for hanging anyway, there, yeah. you know, maybe, yeah, maybe in a few years, someone <laughs> they will sell, we'll get a new owner that's that's a fan that loves the club and it, yeah. and we will turn it around. I was, I was telling my friend the other day after we lost the game that they should just sell the team to the fans. So we make a GoFundMe page, all the fans <laughs> in the world. <laughs> so we make a GoFundMe page and we run Arsenal. As the <laughs> so uh, I have one last question that I ask people I host in my podcast. It's a signature question. What gets you excited about life? Now, my kids, like, yeah. you know, like just that's, you know, just like watching them grow up every day and like just wanting, wanting the best, you know, trying to give them the best future I can possibly gave to them you know mm-hmm. that's that's my that's my purpose in life right now that's what i live for every day every every decision i make you know um it's all with them in the back of my mind you know like what can i do to give them even a you know to give them even a, be, a better life than what i actually had you know mm-hmm. and i had a good life you know but i just want the best for them mm-hmm. so that's my main that's my main purpose. That's the reason why I wake up every morning. And, yeah. I, I can't beat that. Like nothing beats kids and yeah. family. And uh, so yeah, uh, that marks the last question I have for you. And I want to thank you for giving me this time and just sit with me and enjoy the podcast. Uh, thanks for hosting me, man. This was fun. You know, right. it was it was it was fun talking to you. Hey there, I am Bonnie Kibuka, the host of the Ugandan Boy Talk Show. Thanks for watching my video and don't forget to hit subscribe and share with a friend. Tune in every Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time for a new episode about my podcast. And for more information about this podcast, follow me on my Instagram page, talk underscore show. 
underscore two five six.